0: Scripture reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings
1: Uh, worship team, that was phenomenal. Man, those hymns were great. And the offering rendition, it makes the saints in heaven who are watching over us jump for joy because that was uh, absolutely phenomenal. Thank you, ladies. That was, man, I got goosebumps. I'm just saying. That's some good old service singing right there. This morning... I fear one of three reactions to the sermon. (laughs) Reaction number one, you're going to grab your brown hymnal and you're going to throw it at me. I will duck and I will get back up. (laughs) Reaction number two, you're going to tune me out altogether. You're just saying, I'm done listening to this guy. I'm I'm tired of him. I'm not hearing no more. The worst reaction would be number three, you just get up while I'm preaching and walk out the sanctuary and say, I'm done. But my hope is the fourth reaction, that you see me through, wait it out, and uh, that we all have prayer together. So here we go. My dad once told me that my dad's name is Terrell. His dad, my grandfather, Ed Jevedon, refused God's call to the ministry for two reasons. One, as he looked at the commands of Jesus, he said there's no way anybody could follow the commands Jesus puts on somebody. Two, if he was to accept the commands of Jesus and do everything that Jesus says to do, that his preaching would not be accepted. Nobody would like him or want to be around him. I kind of think that I have taken a lot of characteristics of my grandfather. Other than that fact that I accepted God's call to the ministry. He knowing that I would see in the word of God what his commands were to follow him. That you are to lay everything aside. Your family. Your life. You have to lay it down for him. And I think I've done that. Whew. Oh, yeah. To the detriment of my family, to where I've caused pain. That maybe it cannot be recovered from. You know, I left a good job in the United States Army. I made a lot of money to go to a Bible college and live on peanut butter and beans. But we done it. I. It was probably too... Uh, Almost haughty, like, I see your commands where I'm supposed to put you first, I'm going to put you first, and I'm not going to worry about nothing else. And I know for sure my preaching is hard. Don't you think I haven't heard it when I pastored in College Corner? You're the meanest preacher I ever heard. You're just mad all the time. We never feel good about life when we leave the sanctuary. I've heard it. I've lost members in the church because of my preaching. I've lost leadership in the church because of my preaching and things that I believe that I hold true to. That I, I'm just so uptight about everything that I've I've lost things. And so it's really been bothering me that people seem I'm that way, that I'm just that intense. But I'm intense about everything I do. If you ever see me at basketball, I'm intense. That's just the way it is. But I don't want to be perceived by anybody as just, you know, geez, we go out of his church, we're just, everything's terrible about us. Not, can I ever do anything right? I don't want to be perceived that way. So when Mr. Shockey approached me about coming speaking for him for some time I, as interim until you found somebody, the first thing I did was got on the website. I want to know, who is this Wix Alexander Church brother. I know Mr. Shockey, I've known him for a long time who is this church, what do they believe, and how are they? So I watched just about every service I could from past to present, watching all the services, listening to the pastors you had, different ones that spoke, Pastor Brody. I listened to that, and I started looking at some pictures. And here's where one of the three actions would start coming. I perceived... Okay. I perceived that when I saw this church that they don't value Sunday morning worship. There'd be one time I'd look, there'd be half of this side gone. One time there'd be half of this side gone. And I was like, man, don't they don't they value their Sunday worship experience? That don't they put a, a priority on coming to worship God on Sunday mornings? It's not part of their lives. And this perception Seemed to be confirmed to me when I looked at the pictures and I saw some guys cooking a hog. I thought, this is awesome. What are they out here doing? They're, they're, they're cooking this hog. They look to be having a good time. And so I started asking and investigating, what, what, does, this, what does this mean? And I was told, this is our new beginning service. In this new beginning service, we have kids that are graduating from one class to another. we got teachers that are, you know, going to be teaching new material. And all part of this is part of the new beginnings that we have. But it's also to welcome everybody back from their summer vacation. That, you know, people go on their summer vacations and they're out through the summer. And I just thought, now this is really, really, really weird to me that they're celebrating missing Sunday morning service. I'm ducking. (laughs) And it it really, it really bothered me. We come from two totally different traditions. And not one is one way and one's the other. I'm not saying that at all. Not, not, that's not, I'm just saying we come from two different kind of things of what one believes and how one is supposed to act and respond to what God has done in their lives. And so it really, really, really bothered me and troubled me. And in case you don't know it, even to this day, even though I've been here over a year, I'm a nervous wreck around you guys. <laughs> I don't know if I should call you. If you're going through something right away, don't call them. Do you, do, do you, will, you, will you pray with them over the phone? Not pray with them over the phone. What's the extent of my relationship to the congregation? Every pastor, if he's got any salt to him at all, knows that he's supposed to take care of the people of God that God's given him. He's to be in his word, studying his word, praying for his people, and teaching his people right. This is what his call is, his number one call, to take care of the people that God's given him. I never want to intrude on you or impose on you or anything like that. I don't want to do that. And so me trying to filter around my relationship has been very difficult. And I thought, well, how am I going to address this idea of a congregation that don't value a Sunday worship experience and then celebrate it in September? I really, really struggled with that. I I honestly did. And then I started reading Jeremiah 29. And I'm just telling you, Jeremiah 29 worked me over. What got me was, I know that God, you know, we talked about God having a plan for you, and He knows your way, and He's going to work things out, okay? But this idea of him taking his people from their home. The only place they knew he was at was in temple. His spirit was there, the prophets were there. That's where God was, and he took them away from that. And he said, "I'm going to put you in a heathen land." And you are to pray for peace where you're at. When you leave home and you go to this land, you are to get married, have children, have your children get married, build homes, build businesses, and do all this stuff. I put you here, he says, in this city for you to be a blessing to the city. And in the city, my name will be glorified. My name will be lifted up and my name will be honored. And I said, oh, man, this is really becoming clear to Brian now. I, okay, Lord, I, I see what you're doing in my heart. I see what you're doing with me in relationship to the congregation. For me, the pinnacle of any experience is Sunday morning worship. It is where God is at, where his spirit is at, where he moves in the life of his people. And I would have never fathomed in my mind coming from my tradition that I would miss Sunday morning for any reason. To this day, me and Amy still bicker because I'm pastor now. She says, you're never going to take a vacation. I said, well, I didn't say I wasn't going to take a vacation. I said, I wasn't going to miss Sunday morning. She goes, you won't miss Sunday morning preaching to take a vacation. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But then this thing just really started to break open my heart. And I, I just, I want to understand, well, why? why am I here? Why? I mean, you've been good to me. You've blessed me, Lord. But how? what is this disconnect that I'm feeling? And when I read Jeremiah 29 and He talking to them about going to the city and growing in the city and prospering in the city and moving in the city, it struck me that I'm here to learn from you. You are here to teach me. <laughs> what are you to teach me? You are to teach me how to live in the blessing of God. I don't know how to do it. Now, God's been good to me. I'm not saying that. I've preached in prisons. I've been to nursing homes. I've done it all. Whatever preacher's done, I've done it. But I've been so intense about everything in life, I've never enjoyed the blessings of God. I've only seen it one way, you just, you just got to go for it, you got to move, you got to go. And you guys have showed me a different way of living that it's okay to enjoy the blessings of God. It's okay to have what you have. It's okay for you to do what you're doing. God has blessed you in your city. If your city is a house in another state, that's God's blessing. If your city is your job and in your business, if you have to take care of that, that's your blessing. That's what God has given you to bless you, and you are to take care of that and bring peace to that, and God will be glorified in that. When you have kids and go to your sports stuff, and you're out there in the city at your games and doing that with your grandkids, wherever you're at, you're in the city that God has given you, and that's the blessing of God, and he is glorified wherever you're at. I haven't learned that. You have taught me that. See, I was bitter and mad because I just I viewed it one way. And you're showing me and teaching me that God will bless us and that we are to enjoy the blessings that he's given. Don't be so uptight all the time about life and everything in life. Enjoy the blessings of God that he's giving you. So in your city, when you're out there, that's what you're doing. You're enjoying what God has given to you. Then I realized, you also got an older congregation. You knucklehead. Don't you think some days you want to get up and your back's hurting you and your legs are hurting you? And and maybe they're just in pain and they can't, Sunday worship they can't go to. Who Who are you to judge or make a light of that? It don't matter what it is. That's your area. That's your city. But whether you're enjoying the blessings of God or you're in pain, this is where you're at. And give God praise for that wherever you're at. Because God is not contained by the building. He's only contained by a heart given to him. We all have a city to live in. We all have a place to go to. And we are supposed to have peace with God Peace with ourselves and peace with others and that. And so I'm seeking peace on to learn from you how to allow God to bless me the way he wants to bless. And don't be so intense about what he's doing. But enjoy the gift of God. We all have his city to live in. Mine happens to be my work. When I worked before and pastored, I didn't mind it because I was happy. I, I, I was in the will of God. But then I got bitter against God, got mad at God. And so I might have sowed seed at this job I shouldn't have sowed but I'm his representative. And he can only be glorified and uplifted as his representatives speak peace to the city and show others around that there is a God that he reigns in Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you to let me grow with you and understand and receive the blessing of God that he wants to put in my life. Jeremiah ripped me a new one. And I understood and I appreciate. So I hope you're taking what I'm saying to you in the right vein. didn't say Sunday morning wasn't important. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I understand you are here to teach me. Even though I'm your pastor and I'm reading and I'm studying, I learn from you and I grow from you and I want to do that. I want God to cut me up, rip my heart. Whatever he needs to do to make me his disciple, I'm good with. So I'm good with that. We all have a city to live in. But how do I deal with this September welcome back party? We're going to have new beginnings. When I heard about it, I said, well, I'll try to put it in a feast. As there's got to be some kind of feast in the Old Testament that will bring us together in that. And that just wasn't working. Because I couldn't get around the fact of not forsaking, in Hebrews 20, uh, chapter 10, verse 20, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a man of a son and some are. How do I get around How do I minister to the the congregation and flow with them on this idea of new beginnings if they're going to welcome everybody back from uh, summer? I got it. Jeremiah 29 taught me that. Cool. But now how do I deal with this? And then I was directed to Hebrews chapter 10 in these verses that we read this morning. And I said, Lord, I, I don't understand. If you say we're not supposed to forsake our assembly together... How, how do I address this? What's going on? And I just started reading and studying. And, you know, Amy will tell you, I'm, I'm in there for hours at a time studying this stuff out. And as I read the book of Hebrews more and more and more, things I already knew. But now, you know how you read things and then it just takes to heart one time? It just, boom, it's like, woof, it opens up. Here it goes. When he writes this letter to the Hebrews up to this point, he's writing to Jewish Christians who are returning back to the old way of life. They're giving up their faith in Jesus Christ. The persecution on their lives is so bad, they said, we don't want to follow Jesus anymore. We cannot handle what's happening to us. So we're going to go back to be Jewish. And we're going to live under the laws and the commandments and all the sacrifices because it's too hard on us. And Paul in the book of Hebrews talks about the whole thing, how Christ... Fulfilled the law, all the sacrifices, the role of the high priest coming from Abraham. Christ fulfilled it in every sense that could be fulfilled in. He done it when he died and rose again from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled what this Old Testament law and commandments couldn't do. And Paul says, why would you want to go back to a life back there that cannot help you? that cannot forgive you and cannot guide you in the right direction. He says, don't go back to that life. When we come to Hebrews chapter 10, he says four things to these believers to help them hold on to their faith. He says, number one, in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Everything that I said, Paul says, has been how Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. You have to believe that he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. You must have this settled in your mind and settled in your heart that he is the Lord of everything. He says when you settle this in your mind and settle this in your heart, then you come truly to him. Because your heart is open. You come truly to him and say, My heart is open to you. My life is open to you. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. I believe the work that you've done on the cross. He says your heart is now free. And you've been purged from the old way of life. You come with a true heart. You've accepted what he says. You've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Now your heart is free. You walk in a new way of life, and when he says to, that your bodies are washed in pure water, he says you went down in baptism being the physical manifestation of what God has done in your life. You believe that he's the Lord, that he's the Christ. When you come to him, he's cleaned your heart, and you follow that up with baptism. You must believe that he's the Christ. Secondly, he says in verse 23, once you believe that he's the Christ, You must hold on to that faith. You must be fully persuaded in your own mind, in your own heart, that He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. You can't worry about what other people think or what other people say or what other people do. You must come to the throne of grace directly to God and believe that He's going to answer your request according to His will. You must do that. And don't waver in who you are and what you believe. And then you see those little parentheses there? He says, for he is faithful that promised. What did God promise in Jeremiah? He says, when I come into your heart, I'm going to wash that old nasty heart out of you. And I'm going to give you a pure heart. In the right heart. And I'm going to cause you by my spirit to walk in my ways and walk in my commands. This is the promise of God. It was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ when he sent the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, confirmed by baptism. You and I have a new heart, and we should never waver from where we're at in him. He is the King, He is the Lord. He rules and He guides and He directs our hearts, and we should never waver from that. He says, when you settle these two things, you believe that he is the Christ, you decided to follow him, you were baptized, and you come to the throne of grace and full assurance that he's going to answer you. He says, thirdly, provoke one another to love and good works. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, to lift them up, to help them out, they're going to rescind on God. They're out in the world. The world is condemning them and cutting them down and doing things that shouldn't be done. And they know it shouldn't be done, but they do it anyway. And he says, see your brother and sister and lift them up and provoke them to serve the true and the living God. And let them know that God is good and God is great. Well, How are you to provoke your brother and sister? You settle in your mind and heart. Jesus is the Christ. You have a clean heart. You went to him in full assurance. You won't be wavered by your faith. You're to provoke your brother and sister in Christ. You do that he says. In the public assembly. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is. That when we come into the house of God. We come to worship and honor. And lift his name up. And to provoke One another to love and good works, to lift one another up in our faith. This is what he said to the Hebrews Don't go back, but press on to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as I read that, I just said, Thank you. I understand the new beginnings. You see, you're out in the city. You're out doing what you do under the blessings of God. He's touched you, He's blessed you. And as you're out there in the city, whether it's in your job, whether it's on your vacation time, no matter where it's at, whether we, with your family, you're in the city. And in the city you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way people are going to know Jesus Christ. Is when his people in the city lift him up and honor him. And say I belong to the king. This is the way he was going to be glorified. He wasn't going to be just glorified in the temple. He was going to be glorified in the world. And he uses his people to bring him glory. So I'm asking you. While you're out there in the city while you're doing the blessings of God, while He's put on you. Remember that you are a walking temple. You are a walking tabernacle. And when you're out there on the boat, or when you're out there fishing, or when you're taking care of somebody, or when you're hurting at home, Wherever you're at, remember the goodness of God in your life. Remember your kids, your grandkids, and remember your family that somehow he has held them together by his grace and by his mercy and he has blessed you, not because of you. He's blessed you because of his glory and his honor for him to be lifted up that other people wouldn't have come to know him. You guys love this church more than anything in the world. I mean, man, I see it, all the things you do, you will go after it because this is your home. This is the church that you love. This is where you minister and reach God at. I'm with you on that. And who am I? What made me the judge? God stroked me down, man. I'm not judge of nothing. I'm just a servant. We're all servants. Now i got to eat my own crow because i got to go back to my city tomorrow and be happy. That's no easy task. But I want to enjoy the blessings of God, and you are here to help me, and I'm here to learn and grow from you on enjoying those blessings. But when you're out there, man, seeking that peace, remember we represent the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we take him everywhere we go. People come to the faith or deny the faith partly on the way we live our lives. But then I ask you, when we do come to these special services on September, that when we come, we come to worship the King of kings and Lord of and give him the thanks and the glory and the honor that he deserves for giving us what we have. Right? He's blessed us. He's touched us. He's changed us. And I'm going to be more happier right now helping Clint kill that pig or whatever we got to do to it. it. I mean, that's if he'll let me. I don't even know. The more I talk to more he'll say, Boy, Amy, you got to get him out of here. <laughs> but when we come back to these services, this is home. On the 10th of September, we are home, and we are here to lift one another up. To bring up the glory of God and to thank God for His goodness and His mercy and what He's done and how He's blessed you and how He's blessed me. This is why we come together. To lift one another up and to glorify Him. And that's the only reason we should come. The main reason we come is to glorify Him. Now I'm sure you know, all good Christians know, that people go to church three times in their life. Christmas, right? And, you know, the believers get mad. Well, they'll come at Christmas time. Well, guess what? They're coming. Lift them up. Be the goodness of God. Show the grace of God. The king was born. He's here and he's alive. Easter, don't worry. Don't come Easter Sunday. Tell them about the goodness of Jesus. He died and rose again. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. This is what he's done in our life. We can't impose it or force it on nobody else, but they can see the goodness of God in us. Now, you'll see a different Brian come around uh, the first Sunday of Advent. I'm going to go nuts. From Advent to Pentecost Sunday, it's just a whole different refer- I'm home, and I know I'm home. And that's where I feel God's presence at the most is when I'm home but I want to enjoy his blessings in the city and I don't want to be uptight and been all out of shape about nothing and I'm here to learn that from you so the way we're going to close this service this morning is I've asked Bruce and Pam to come up and pray for me that I have peace because I want peace with God I want peace with you I want us to have peace now maybe you have peace with me I don't know I, I but I need to have peace in my own heart and my own soul. So I've asked them, I've asked them two weeks ago, I said this service is going to be the hardest service I've ever preached. And Amy got scared when I said that. She goes, boy, you're going to blow it again. <laughs> but I have to do what's on my heart to do. And, if I, you know, I've made a ton of mistakes in the past. I won't make those again. I'll make brand new ones. But I hope you stay with me while I make the brand new ones. But I've asked Bruce and Pam to come and say a prayer for me. And if you want, you don't have to, but if you're willing, just to come up around them and pray for me to have peace in my city, and to have peace in myself, and to have peace with God to enjoy His blessings. So, Bruce, Pam, if you'd come up, and anybody who wants to come, Amy, you come up here with me. Amy, don't have this problem. Only Brian. Thank
0: They're planning the pig right now. I see it. The deer. The deer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please stand with me for the benediction. Part two. God, you have come near to us and have shown us your patience, compassion, and love. As we go, Lord... Give us patience when people are indifferent to your word. Give us compassion for the needs of the world. And give us love which reflects your forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. We talked about it Wednesday, I was like, oh no, where'd they go? Um, he's like, calm oh, <laughs> up.